0: Following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Thanks, man. Thanks for leaving us with, in worship. Great to see you this morning. I want to tell you a story of a guy named Dave Waddle. Um, Dave uh, was a track guy, and uh, he had some success in high school, and was able to uh, run in college as well. He was mostly a miler; um, that was his that was his preferred race. And uh, as he finished college, he was they were things were kind of leading up to the 1972 Olympics, and he he thought he, he thought he might have a chance to make the Olympic team. And he needed a place to uh, run and train, and so he took the job as a coach of a little bitty college in Pennsylvania. And it had kind of a, honestly, it had kind of a mud track, but it was a place where he could run and train. And and uh, as he uh, went to some races and he kept working at it, the Olympic team and the uh, the guys who were putting the Olympic team together came to him and they said, you know, we got a lot of great milers but we don't we don't have a, a, hardly we don't have what we need. The guys run the 800, and they said we want you to run the 800. And he'd never run the 800 before, uh, but he wanted to be on the Olympic team, so uh, so he started training for that. Well, he barely he barely made the Olympic team. He was the slowest qualifying time um, of all the guys in the 800, and then uh, getting ready for the Olympics, he he overtrained and he got tendonitis in both knees and he couldn't he couldn't train in fact uh, he had to take 3 weeks off before the olympics and then he also uh got married and his coach said this is a terrible time to get married this you you should be training 24/7 everything you just you shouldn't be like separating your attention but he couldn't run for those 3 weeks with the tendonitis, and so uh So that year, the uh, 1972 Olympic Games were in Munich. Some of you remember that. And uh, uh, Dave was running the 800. He barely qualified for the finals. He had the slowest time of any of the eight finalists. And uh, he did qualify. And, uh, well, uh, here's what happened. Turn your attention to the screens. 1972. Isn't that a great moment? How many of you saw that for the first time this morning? All right, yeah. Some of us lived it. We watched it. Dave's this goofy guy. He's got a golf cap on. Uh, He couldn't run. It wasn't his race. He was supposed to run the mile. And uh, as I was reading Hebrews 11 and 12, uh, I remembered uh, Dave Waddle's race. And uh, I wanted to show it to you this morning Because uh, I want to teach you chapters 12 and 13 of Hebrews under the title, Finishing the Race. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me tell you what the author of Hebrews does for us. He tells us Dave Waddle kind of story after story. He says, Abel walked by faith. He gave this kind of sacrifice for the Lord. Enoch walked with the Lord. Noah, by faith, built the ark. Abraham, by faith, left Ur the Chaldees. He went to a place he didn't even know where he was going. Sarah, by faith, trusted God that she would have a baby well into her old age. He talks about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He talks about Moses. He talks about the judges. He talks about Samuel. He talks about David. He doesn't name them, but he talks about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he talks about Isaiah, he talks about Elijah, he he goes through this, this story after story, which are, these are faith stories, which are monumental, inspirational, life-changing stories, but when he gets to the conclusion of Hebrews 11, he doesn't say, and that's the way it was, he says something unexpected, When he gets to the conclusion of Hebrews chapter 11, find verse 39. He says, In all of these, though they were commended for their faith, they didn't get the gold medal. They didn't get the trophy. They didn't get what was promised. Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. Their faith hadn't become sight. It it hadn't come to fruition. He says, Since God has provided something better for us, That apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What he's saying is that these people who were on the stage of time, Abraham and Moses and David and Daniel, these people who ran their race of faith and are commended for it, are now the great cloud of witnesses who are watching us because now you and I are on the stage of time. This is not Abraham's time. This is your time. This isn't Moses' time. This is your time. You're on the track. You're about to run the race of faith. And all of this that has gone before us is to set the, the stage for the moment in time when you run your race. So when he gets to Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, we no longer have to figure out who this is. We've just read Hebrews chapter 11. He's just named all of these. But these people are now no longer on the track. They're no longer running the race. They're in the stands. These are now the cheerleaders. These are now the observers. These are the ones from heaven who are cheering us on. They are the great cloud of witnesses that are in the arena. They're in the stands. They have already, they've already gone to heaven. They have now, after Jesus has gone to the cross, have received their reward. And they are now cheering us on. So you and I, in this moment in time, this is when we live our lives of faith. This is, now chapter 12 is no longer the Old Testament. The writer's been doing this for 11 chapters. He walked us through Aaron and Melchizedek and Moses, and he walked us through all of that so he could point us to Jesus. And then the, the hall of fame of faith. But when he gets to chapter 12, and chapter 12 and 13, these two chapters are all about you and are all about me, and they're about, it's really this instruction about how to Finish the race well. And so this morning, I want to talk about racing basics, okay? And some of you, you did a little track and field. You ran some races in high school or college. For some of you, this will make perfect sense. For others of us who didn't run very far, at one time I chased us after the school bus, but I didn't catch it. Um, This might be a, a lesson for us But it's racing basics, and it has to do with the race of life, the race of faith. Therefore, back in chapter 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. The, the, The verb here, looking, means... Don't take your eyes off of it. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me give you five racing basics this morning about your race of faith. Number one, the first thing we read is let us lay aside Every weight. Here's the first instruction. Let us lay aside everything that adds weight when we're running in faith. Now, let me tell you what this phrase does not mean. This phrase is not alluding to sin. We know that because the next phrase is about sin. I'm not going to teach it yet, but the next phrase is, and the sin that so easily besets us and tangles us so closely, clings to us. The first phrase is about that. Now, uh, you've seen this. You've seen the Olympics. You've seen someone track and field. When they come out, they have their, they have their warm-ups on. They've, they've got an extra layer of clothes, maybe depending on how cold it is, maybe a couple extra layers. And they, they run a little bit in that to get the muscles warm and loose, and they've got all that. But when it comes time to run the race... They, they take off the warm-ups. They take off the, the sweatsuit. And they run in the thinnest, lightest shorts that they can and the thinnest, lightest top that they can. They wear shoes that, in terms of technology, are the lightest possible shoe that you can wear with the best footing. They shed every possible weight. What is it that God's trying to teach us about the race of faith in that? There is in life some things that aren't sin, but they don't really take you to the eternal finish line. There's some things in life that the Bible doesn't list in the Ten Commandments as sins, but they don't really take you the way that you're going when it comes to faith. Let's talk about some of those. How about work? you got to work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't even eat. You've got you to pay the bills. You've got to feed your family. You've got to work. But God never intended that your race be a work race. He always intended that it be a faith race. And so many people, now we've coined a phrase for those that are obsessed with their work, workaholics. And we talk about people who live their lives and sometimes the biggest chunk of their adult lives from from out of high school or college until retirement and they miss everything else because they are so focused on work. That's not really God's calling for you. You know, uh, as a pastor, uh, I've had the sacred opportunity of sitting beside lots of deathbeds. Lots of people as they go into eternity. And as I've sat next to people who were passing, no one has ever said to me in their dying breath, Pastor, I I wish I'd spent more time at the office. No one's ever said that to me. Not once. I've had people say, I wish I'd spent more time with my wife, my kids, my family. I've had people say, I wish I came to faith earlier. I've had people say, I wish I'd have done this and I wish I'd done that. But no one has ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at work. And yet, we look at our society, and what do we do? We're consumed with it, and we think about it. We think about it on our, on our drive into work, and when, while we work, we think about how we can get off of work. But when we get off of work, we think about what we should be doing at work. And it, it consumes us, and it consumes our culture. And if we don't watch out, it becomes the weight that keeps us from running the race. It might not be your vocation that's your weight. It might be your avocation. You see, there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. There's nothing wrong with a coin collection. There's nothing wrong with a stamp collection. There's nothing wrong with collecting. There's nothing wrong with saying, I knit or I quilt or I work on cars or I like to hunt. Nothing wrong with any of those. You don't find in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not quilt. Thou shalt not hunt. The problem is, when the avocation becomes all-consuming. It becomes the weight that keeps us from running the race that God intends for us. Now, I want you to think about it. I've given you a couple examples, but it's easy. If it's earthly, and if it's going to be left here on earth, if it doesn't have eternal value, then it's doesn't take you to the finish line. You've never seen, ever, have you seen someone in the Olympics or the track and field uh, take off their sweats, take off their clothes, and then put on a 50-pound backpack and then run the race. You've never seen that once. Yet in life, in terms of the faith race, I see Christians who do it all the time. Encumbered by the worries and the stuff of the world, they can't run the race of faith because they're too attached two earthly and temporal things. So, in the basics of running, number one is, you got to get all that weight off of you. you got to lay it aside. You've never seen a hearse going down the road with a U-Haul attached to it. You're not going to take it with you. You get focused on all the wrong things. You're going to leave it here. You're going to leave it to somebody else. How many of you in your life already, someone has passed and what they left you was a whole bunch of stuff that you had to go through and throw away? Could I see your hands? Yeah. That's your stuff. That's the stuff that you won't let go of. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, here we are. We're in the stadium. Those who ran the race of faith, who did so marvelously, are our, they're our cheerleaders. They're, the, they're in the stands, all in the arena, all around us, and we're ready to run the race. Lay aside the encumbrance. Lay aside the earthly stuff. Lay aside the weight that can keep you from running the race. And then the second phrase, the phrase that I've already peeked at with you, is lay aside the sin which clings so closely. Or some translations say the sin that so easily besets us. The best translation in this passage, since he talks about running the race, is the sin that trips us up so easily. Now in the New Testament, there are a lot of times where the New Testament writers talk about sin as wickedness, as evil, as unrighteousness, as iniquity. Most of the time in the New Testament, the writers talk about sin as that which is makes you less than perfect. Amartia is the is the Greek word here. Just it means it wasn't quite a bullseye. You you weren't perfect in that. But here in Hebrews chapter twelve, the writer is talking about sin in a different way. The sin that trips you up. You're running and then it just. Grabs you. And we live in this culture that feeds the flesh and desires. To trip you up. And everywhere you look, and everywhere you look on television, and every magazine you pick up, and every radio thing, and everything you see in the world around you is designed by the evil one to trip up your flesh. You you have this flesh, and it It wants what it wants. It wants to be satiated. It wants to be gratified. And the world tells you, yeah, you should have it, but it's not going to help you run the race. It's going to trip you up. Thing about being tripped up is, you're not meant to just lay there. You're meant to get up and run again. It's a funny thing about sin, isn't it? One time I was entrusted with some little kids. I don't know who would ever do that, but I was entrusted with these little kids, and they were young. And I I knew I needed an activity to keep them all kind of busy. And so I got some of that uh, bubble stuff. You know what I'm talking about with the wand and you you blow bubbles and it blow it in and you just dip it in there. What's that called? I used to call it bubble stuff. Okay, so uh, so we had it, and they were all blown. And I thought I was thinking I'm a genius. This going they're going to be they're going to be happy for a long, long time. And then one of them I saw she kind of spilled some of the this little container of her bubble stuff. And when she spilled it, then I then she poured it all out. And I said, "What? Why would you? Why did you pour it all out?" And she said, "Because I spilled some." It wasn't very many days later, uh, I was called to talk to a guy who had just gone on a drinking binge. And I said, What happened? And he said, Well, I, I had a beer, and then I knew since I messed up, I just went the whole way. Do you hear those two things? I sinned once, so I just poured it all out. I messed up, so I went whole hog it's not any different than the 2-year-old pulling out the bubble stuff. So, here's what I want to ask you. If sin trips you, is the best thing to do when you sin is just to sin a whole bunch more? Is that really the answer? Think about it because that's what you tell me all the time. That's your answer. Well, pastor, I messed up, so I I just figure I might as well go all the way. The key to sin is not sin some more key to sin is to confess our sins to he who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to get back up and to run again and that's the picture of Hebrews chapter 12 is don't give in to the sin that wants to trip you up in the race there's a third part of this as well the third part is to That we are to remember that this race, this faith race that we're in, is not a sprint. We're to run with endurance. Look what it says. Number one, lay aside every weight. Lay aside the stuff that doesn't take you towards the finish line. Set aside the sin which trips us up so easily wants to cling to us. And then number three, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, what I want to tell you about this faith race that we're in—it's not a sprint. You know, so many times I see young believers, and they come in, and they come into uh, the—they they join the track team. Okay, we'll stay with the metaphor. They join the track team, and when they run, they're just like, <gasps> and then pretty soon I say, "Hey, uh, seen seen so and so? where they been?" And they miss a week, and five, and ten, and twelve. And what it is, in a spiritual sense, they came in and they're just like, oh, I'm going to do it all for Jesus. I'm going to do it all for Jesus. Ah, ah, Go ahead, save yourselves. I can't go any longer. So one of the things that we're told in Hebrews 12 is run with endurance. There's some things that affect our endurance. Other Christians affect our endurance. They gossip about us, they offend us, they say bad things about us, and we just can't endure that. We give up. Sometimes uh, what affects our endurance is that tripping that we just talked about. You trip and you get up and you trip again, and you're like, oh, I, I can't go on in that. But for many of us, we just run hard and stop, and run hard and stop. And like the tortoise and the hare, We live Christian lives where we're in and out and up and down and back and forth, and it doesn't have a consistency to it. The ones who win the race just stay in the race. They endure it. One of the things that keeps people from enduring is, notice the phrase, here's how how it's written for us, run the race that is set before us. Do you know what I discover all the time? I discover Christians want to stop running the race because they say, well, I didn't pick this race. This isn't the race that I wanted to run. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a 100-yard dash guy and God's got me running the marathon. They're all marathons, by the way. They're, they're all marathons. But we, we didn't pick the race. We didn't pick the journey. And your journey's different than mine, so maybe you look at me and go, well, I want I, I wanted Paul's journey. I I want that journey. I, I want that journey. I don't want this journey. And so we don't run with endurance because we don't like the race that's been set for us. But the next phrase tells us who set the race for us. It tells us how we came about to have this journey. It says, run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus who is the founder, he's the architect, he's the designer of the race, the track, the road that you're on, and he's the perfecter of our faith. Let me say it this way. The fourth thing you need to know in this race that you're running in life is to keep your eyes on the coach. Jesus is the coach. He will tell you what to do. He says... If you ask, I will tell you. If you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, it'll be open to you. He's waiting to guide you. He longs to tell you what to do. And he can tell you because he designed the course and he owns the all-time record. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus uh, is not a coach who never ran the race. The scripture says that Jesus left heaven's throne and he came to earth. And he didn't just show up right at the finish line. No, he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. He went to school like you. He grew up like you. He had nerdy parents like you. you. You ever read that? Joseph and Mary were big nerds. He had to go through everything that you had to go through. He understands the race. He understands that it's a marathon. He knows how to endure. There were times when he was mocked and when he was ridiculed, when those he thought were his friends turned their backs on him. He knows your race. He is the designer and the all-time record holder. And then there's this other phrase. He's the perfecter... Of your faith, did you know that God does this incredible miracle when you give your life to Him? He makes your race perfect. You say, "Oh, oh, Paul, my race has not been perfect. In fact, I'm kind of one of those guys. I didn't even come out of the starting blocks, and when I did, I had the big backpack. You were talking about the weight. I got baggage, man. Have I got baggage?" I got luggage, and I got baggage, and I've had this problem in this relationship, and that problem at that work, and I've had this problem with this, and I've, you talk about tripping and sin. Oh, man, I've sinned and sinned. Listen, this is what God does. If you'll come to the cross of Christ with real repentance and real faith, and you sincerely ask him, the Scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he does this thing where he puts your sin farther than the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. He's the one who can take your race and make it perfect. Maybe like Dave Waddle, you got married and it ruined your life. He can make your race perfect if you'll trust in him. But what have you got to do? This verb here is looking at Jesus, but it means looking at him without looking away. It means fixing your eyes on Jesus. It means... Being obsessed with Jesus. Jesus is our magnificent obsession. You see, the the whole of Scripture is about Jesus. Why is it that the Old Testament saints listed in Hebrews eleven didn't get their reward until Jesus died on the cross and tore the veil in two and broke open paradise and was the firstborn of many brethren? Because the book's about Jesus. It's always only ever been about Jesus. And that's what we read in Hebrews. That's what he guides us to. And so our coach, our God, our Savior, is Jesus. And the scripture says, In this race of life, fix your eyes on Jesus, who, speaking of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of of the throne of God. Here's the last thing that I have time to teach you this morning. When it comes to racing, when it comes to long races, not just sprints, when it comes to marathons, it's about enduring the pain and the shame and doing that now for the joy that's yet to come. You see in this race, if we're really if we really belong to the Lord, there's going to be some pain along the way. The scripture says about Jesus that he was a man of sufferings, that he knew pain the Scripture also tells us that in this world, a world that doesn't really care for Christ, there'll be some times when there's some shame for us. They can't believe that we'll set aside these other things, the weight, the encumbrances of life, the things that so easily beset us, to run with Jesus. They'll think we're fanatics. They'll think we're weirdos. They'll think, oh, you, you, used, to, you used to do this with me. You used to do that with me. You used to hang out. and Now you got, yeah, I don't have time for that ever since you got religion They won't get us, but we run through pain, through shame, for the joy to come. Psalms 126 is all about this. Though there's a night and there's a difficulty in the night, joy comes in the morning. Every mother in this room understands the pain and travail of childbirth and the joy that follows that. Jesus talks about this. And he says of the Christian life, there is a joy yet to come for us. And he uses Jesus as the supreme example who lived his life through the pain, despising the shame, and got the greatest reward. He sits at the right hand of the throne of Christ. Well, I knew that uh, I had remembered uh, Dave Waddle, and I knew that I wanted to show that to you. But when I was looking for that clip on the Internet, I found another story. It's the story of Heather Dornadon. Heather Dorneden, uh ran track for the University of Minnesota. And uh, she was good, but she wasn't great. She ran for them for a couple of years and uh, always right there in the finals, but only one first-place finish in two years. And then in 2008, uh, she came to uh, the Big Ten Indoor Track Championship, she was running the 600 meters, and here's what happened. Just get a bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Um, you don't have to tell me that you've tripped and fallen in life. I already know that. So have I. And for most of us in this room, it's way more than once. What I want to know, though, is, is it possible that in this race that God has set before you, you've just kind of given up. You're not really running anymore. You haven't fixed your eyes on Jesus. you just kind of given into the world. Since you don't want the shame and the ridicule of the world, you just start to kind of act like the world except that you go to church on Sundays. And there's no faith, not anymore. Your life doesn't look any different than anybody else's. You just hope you go to heaven when you die. The writer of Hebrews says, We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of the great saints who have gone before us. And now, on this earth, in this point in time of history, you're here. This is our stage of time. And Jesus Christ Himself has set a race for you, He set a journey for you. You haven't liked some of it, some of it's been tough. You've tripped and fallen along the way. Sometimes you've been carrying heavy stuff. But this morning, he calls you to get back up, to trust in him, to fix your eyes on Jesus, and to run in faith again. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. That's the beginning place for you. There's no race for you without Christ. There's no faith for you without Christ. It's always about Jesus. Most of us in this room, have given our lives to the Lord. We just stop running. This morning, I want to ask you from wherever you're at, from whatever you've been going through, whatever the difficulties of your life, I want to ask you in the name of Jesus to get back up, to reach for your Bible, to look to Jesus, to join those around you who are running the same race, let's go forward together. I bet you know the weight that you've been carrying that you need to lay aside. I bet you know the sin that's tripped you up more than once. Today, will you give that to Jesus? Will you ask Him to take your weight and your burden? Will ask Him to take your sin and forgive you? And will you get up and run the race? Father, you You've seen every heart here. You know every person. You know our journey better than we could describe it. You know the times when we ran really well, and you know the times when we fell. This morning, we come to you, and we ask you to remake us and remold us into the image of your Son. We ask that you would help us to take our eyes off the things of the world and fix our eyes on Jesus. We ask that you would help us to overcome the sin that wants to trip us up And we can only do it by your Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Forgive us by your Holy Spirit through the shed blood of your Son. That you would accomplish that work in our lives. And and we choose here and now, Jesus. We choose Jesus as our coach. We choose Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And we choose to run for you. And we pray that you would receive our commitments to you. In the most precious and wonderful and only name of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.